Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of Let's Ride. It's your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast on Behind the Steel Curtain. I'm Jeff Hartman, your host, and it is Friday. Happy Friday, everyone. It's going to be weird. This is weird. This whole week has been odd, not because of anything in particular outside of the fact the Steelers don't play a game this weekend. And so everything that I'm used to doing on Monday, on Wednesday, on Friday has just kind of been thrown through the loop. Monday was winners and losers. And that was fine. That was kind of normal. Wednesday, a little bit different. I still did the DEFCON levels. If you missed that podcast, go back and check it out. But today is normally when I give you the DraftKings Sportsbook Parlay. That's no more. Steelers are done. No keys to victory. You're still going to have Jeremy Drone bets coming up in the second half. And my heart-to-heart will always be there at the end of Friday's podcast. But this is just different. It's just really different, and so uh, things may be a little bit shorter, but it's not going to be any worse. Trust me, let's get down to it as we always start the shows with the news. The Steelers continue to add players to futures contracts, and on Thursday they added some names that people should recognize. Uh, I think it's Darnell Wren, who's a defensive lineman who was on the roster to end the season. He was actually promoted a practice squad call-up for the Week 18 game. Anthony McFarland Jr., the running back, who actually also saw some time on the active roster this season and had a really good preseason. I was really pleased. And when you think about someone like McFarland, something to keep in mind, you know, Benny Snell's going to be a free agent at the end of the season. And it all signs are pointing to him being gone. Unless he doesn't get any, <clears throat> no one hits him up in the end in the, in the uh, off season, and he maybe comes back on the sheep. I doubt it, but still, it could happen. Anthony McFarland could have a slot on this team based on that as the number three running back. But the one thing to keep in mind is the fact that Benny Snell did play a lot of special teams, and he was a willing participant. So keep that in mind. But the Steelers are going to continue add to add to these future reserve contracts. The, the roster balloons to 90, folks, and they're not at 90 yet. Then they're going to continue to add players. There will be a time where it slows down, but once a team is done with the postseason, they'll start adding some more players all the way through to after the Super Bowl. They'll continue to add. Sometimes you'll see them swap players on their offseason roster. They want to add somebody. They find this person's expendable. They cut one, send the, bring in the other one. It is fluid. Every article that myself, Dave Schofield, writes about the 90-man offseason roster typically always has the word fluid in it, meaning these things change. So uh, that's the latest news on that front. Other news, you know, I got an email. Every now and then we get emails from people uh, that are trying to promote a podcast or a show, and they'll have a stealer on. And so I got one recently, and it was Aditi Kinkwabala's podcast. She has a typically a Steeler once a week on her podcast. The last one was Pat Fryermuth. I haven't gotten an email for any other one of her shows, but I got one for this one. And so, you know, with it being the offseason, not having as much content coming up for the upcoming game, I decided I'll take a listen. And so this was after week 18. Pat Fryermuth goes on the podcast, does a 30-plus minute show with Aditi, and I'll tell you what, he was very forthcoming. I thought it was very interesting. You can go to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com right now, and you'll find an article on the main page that I wrote, and it talked about Pat Fryermuth talked at length about his knee injury, 
Um, I transcripted all of that, as well as his thoughts on Kenny Pickett, the offense, his concussion history. So really, really insightful interview. And then he also told some funny jokes about players that he wouldn't want to mess with, players that he definitely wouldn't want to tackle, how he likes uh, the the Ravens more than the Bengals or something with the Bengals he just does not like. You can go and check out that article, and at the bottom of the article is the player if you want to listen to the podcast itself. But just some really interesting stuff in the news. He talked about uh, the news part of this being the, the knee, that they did an ACL check, and anyone that's ever had any care and prevention of athletic injuries uh, training done, which I obviously did as a coach, there is a test that you can do where you manually manipulate the knee in a way where you can tell right away if there's an ACL injury. He said they tested the ACL on the field and it was fine, but he still wasn't sure if whatever injury it was going to be was going to need to have surgery. They would, they took him straight to the hospital. He had an MRI done and turns out MCL grade two MCL sprain. He says he's going to rehab for about a month and he'll be fine. So good news. But if you want to check that out, check it out. So the only random thought I have this week, and uh, just because there was so much to digest after the open locker room session with uh, the players after the season was over, I've got articles coming up. Calvin Austin the third, he actually met with media. I'm going to talk about some of his. I'm going to write some articles about what he had to say. Same with Alex Highsmith hinting at maybe wanting a contract extension coming up. We'll get to all that. So there wasn't a ton of random thoughts. I'm still trying to digest a lot of this. But still, it was great to see. I say this in as sarcastically as I possibly can. It's great to see cryptic tweet season back, isn't it, folks? Yes, I hate it as much as everyone else does when Deontay Johnson sends out a tweet that says uh, something to the effect of, uh, I'm trying to think what it exactly was, but saying essentially, I am not going to say much, but be on the lookout. Well, of course, everyone runs with it. And they think, oh my gosh, what's happening? This is always what's funny for me is everyone thinks it's always something so grand. Oh, he's he's talking about wanting a trade, or he's going to say that he's doing X, Y, or Z, when in reality, maybe it's like... Uh, I don't know, he's announcing a sponsorship with Snapple (laughs) or something like that. I love when it's something that everyone's like, we thought that was so serious, and it turns out he's just doing paid paid ads for Snapple. I don't even know Snapple still exists. I don't know why that came to my head, but yet there we go. So cryptic tweet season is back, folks. Buckle up. It'll be a fun one. Let's get to this podcast, the crux of the podcast, the meat and potatoes of the podcast. This Let's Ride podcast is titled, Was the Steelers' Second Half Success, Smoke and Mirrors? So talk to any Steeler fan. Go on social media. And if you don't think, by the way, if you don't think these fans exist, then I'll tell you what you've never done. You've never gone to the comment section of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. That's the first thing. The second thing is you've never listened to our podcast, What Yin's Talking About, where they literally identify these people in their social media accounts every single week that think and say these things. And there are fans that are saying today that 7-2 and turnaround was nothing because all they did was play subpar teams. That's what they say. And when it comes down to it, you're like, wow, is that true? Is it really the fact that they only played teams that were not as tough as the first half? Well, that's what I want to decipher here. 
was the second half of the Steelers' success smoke and mirrors? The first step of this process is I, I took a look at the schedule. Now, I didn't feel like, honestly, I just didn't feel like going back and what were their records at the time that they played them. And the reason why, it's not that I was lazy. It was the fact that when people look at strength of schedule, they don't look at, and this happened last season when the Steelers had, I think one of the, I thought it was one of the easier schedules on paper. And then before the season started, it definitely got tougher. Uh, But still, no one ever looks at, certain points in the season they don't look at oh well they finished the last for instance the Steelers no one if if the Steelers play a team next year they're not going to look at Pittsburgh on their schedule and say oh well they finished uh seven and two down the stretch I'm going to put an asterisk there they were they finished hot no they're going to see it as a nine and eight team a team that did not make the playoffs that's how they'll view it so I was like I'm just going to look at their final records that's all I want to do is look at the final records of their teams And I wanted to look at the teams they played after their bye week. The bye was in week nine. In week 10, they played the New Orleans Saints at home, win that game. New Orleans finished the season seven and 10. Then in week 11, they host the Cincinnati Bengals. That was the 37 to 30 game. They scored 30, but it was because of a quote unquote garbage time. I don't want to get into that. Cincinnati finished 12 and four. They were a playoff team. Steelers lose. Then they go on that road trip. Indy, they win. But Indy finishes 4-12 and 1. Then they go to Atlanta. Win. Atlanta finishes 7 and 10. They host the Baltimore Ravens. Lose. Baltimore 10 and 7. That was the Mitch Trubisky 3 interception game 16 to 14. Week 15, they go to the Panthers. Win. Panthers though finish 7 and 10. Raiders host them Christmas Eve. Win. Raiders finish 6 and 11. They go to Baltimore and win. We know Baltimore finishes 10-7, and and then they host the Browns. We know Week 18 they win. Cleveland finishes 7-10. and So out of all those games that they played, the only team that they beat with a winning record was the Baltimore Ravens in Week 17. Every other team they played that had a winning record, they lost. But here's the thing. They they only played two teams because they played Baltimore twice in that stretch that finished with a winning record. That's it. So people that want to be upset about the Steelers' success, and I'll get to my overall thoughts here in a second. I've always said this. I said it when I was a coach. I've said it as a fan that follows the Steelers and and talks about them and writes about them. They don't make their own schedule. This isn't high school football where you're calling up coaches and say, hey, coach, I I got an opening on the schedule. You want to bring your club down here? It'd be great. No, they're not doing that. The NFL says, here's your schedule. They just have to play it. So are the Steelers supposed to somehow apologize that the front half of their schedule was loaded with teams that made the playoffs? No, they they can't. That's what the schedule was given. So the back half, we knew it was going to get soft when the moment it was released in the spring. But let's look at before the bye now. Let's look at before. Week one, Steelers somehow find a way to beat Cincinnati in Cincinnati. We know Cincinnati finishes 12-4, and and they're in the playoffs. New England, week two, the Gunnar Olszewski fumble and the Akello Witherspoon failed pass breakup against Nelson Aguilar. New England wins in the home opener. New England finishes 8-9. and nine. Cleveland, week three, Thursday night football. Jacoby Brissett, Mitch Trubisky, we know how that ends. Cleveland wins. Cleveland finishes 7-10. and 10. The Jets come to Pittsburgh. This is when, at halftime, 
supposedly Trubisky and Deontay Johnson get into it. Mike Tomlin wants a spark. He goes to Kenny Pickett. Jets end up winning. The Jets finish 7-10. and Buffalo, week five, blowout. Buffalo's 13-3. and Tampa Bay, they win the NFC South with an 8-9 record. They come to, I almost said Heinz Field, Akersher Stadium, and the Steelers find a way to win. Playoff team. Miami, week seven, Sunday night football. Kenny Pickett's costly interceptions, and the Steelers dropped interceptions. Miami finishes 9-8, and and they are in the postseason. And then week eight, before the bye, Philadelphia, the shellacking, Philly finishes 14-3. and So what's crazy is if you, if you only count divisional games once, Okay, Cincinnati and Baltimore both finished with winning records. Then you look at the rest of the Steelers' schedule. They played Buffalo, winning record. Miami, winning record. Philly, winning record. That's it. That's it, folks. When it comes to the overall records of these teams that they played, I know that when they played New England in Week 2, it was different than New England in Week 18. That's not the Steelers' fault. Five teams. So the Steelers ended up playing, uh, you know, Teams against or games against playoff teams. So after the bye, they went one and two. They obviously lost to Cincinnati, lost to Baltimore at home. They beat Baltimore on the road. Then before the bye, the playoff teams they faced at Buffalo, home versus Tampa Bay, Miami. I forgot Cincinnati in week one. My apologies. Miami on the road and Philly on the road. They go two and three. They beat Cincinnati in week one. They beat Tampa Bay at home in week six. Overall, three and five against playoff teams. So now, let's take all that that we looked at by analyzing the schedule and answer that question. Was the Steelers' second-half success smoke and mirrors? Was it nothing nothing but a an illusion, an oasis, so to speak, of, wow, they are beating bad teams? Well, again, I'm going to restate what I said earlier. They, the Steelers, cannot control their schedule. The opponents for next year are already out. The locations are out. They know who they're playing. They just don't know what day and what time. That's it. The Steelers can't, they can't do anything about that. They can't do a thing about it. But was it smoke and mirrors? No, I honestly don't think it was. And I'm, I know that you, my ride or die crew, you know I'm an optimistic fan. You know I was going to say that. But still, the improvement that this team saw, what we all saw, it was undeniable in my opinion. Were the Steelers perfect? No, far from it. Could they have won it all if they got in? No, I honestly don't think they would have or could have. Could they maybe have snuck by a team? I don't know. They would have had to gone to Buffalo. And while Buffalo can be had, the Steelers showed that last year, and while they're definitely not playing at a caliber that everyone thought they would, I don't know if they get that job done. But that doesn't mean that the success was fake. It doesn't mean that the second half success in the second half of the season was cheapened because the teams they played didn't finish with winning records. How could you say that with a rookie quarterback and a very young offense that their overall improvement in running the football, not turning it over, and ultimately just being clutch in key moments should be somehow cheapened based on the finishing record of the opponent? The Las Vegas Raiders, when they came in in Week 16, I'll use this game as an example. Yeah, they finished 6-11, and but they were in the thick of the playoff chase just like Pittsburgh was. You got to win to keep your hopes alive, and the Steelers found a way in some awful conditions to come back from behind and win the football game. So just because the Raiders finished with a bad record or weren't the best team in the world somehow lessens that victory, I don't buy that for a second. 
I think that the Steelers' second-half success, while it might not have equated in, wow, if they get in, maybe they'll win it all, it still is noteworthy, and the Steelers' fan base and the players themselves and coaches should say, let's hang our hats on this and let's help build it to next season. But no, when I look back on this, first, I was shocked by how many teams finished with a net, with a losing record. But also, I was kind of pleased with how the Steelers played in the second half, and I was really excited about the future. What also I'm really excited about is bringing in Jeremy Jerome Betts in the second half to talk about NFL picks and, and NFL wildcard weekend. We're going to give you our picks for that. And also, stay tuned to the very end for my hard talk. We'll be right back. All right, Steeler fans, it is Friday. It is the second half of Let's Ride. That means one thing and one thing only. It's time for the All Bets Are Off segment where we bring in Jeremy Jerome Betts to talk about all things Steelers and NFL. What's up, Jeremy? How's it going? It's going good, man. Going good. End of the season, but uh, you know, there's still a lot to talk about for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Absolutely. Let's dive right in. You know, I was listening to your Steelers Fix podcast with Andrew Wilbar, the hater, as I call him, uh, the other day. And, (laughs) you know, you kind of you were talking a lot about uh, and this is more geared towards the offensive coordinator position, but also other coaches as you all went over and graded the coaching staff. And great listen. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen. But you talked, there's was a lot of a mediocrity coming from you, which I was kind of surprised mm-hmm. with a lot of coaches. Uh, it, do you come away with this 2022 season be, being extremely positive? Or is it more kind of what you were echoing from your podcast earlier in the week, where it was just kind of like, what are we doing? Celebrating mediocrity? What are your thoughts? So I, I guess the mediocrity talk was was more about, you know, moving forward. There's been a good foundation laid, but I I think if the Steelers settle for the status quo moving forward, then they're not they're not preparing themselves as a potential Super Bowl contender. So my argument is uh, Matt Canada did some nice things down the stretch, right? The Steelers went 7 and 2. The offense looked a, a little bit better. Uh but still there's there's some things lacking as far as the scheme goes and and putting players in position to be impactful in the game long stretches where uh, guys like Pat Fryermuth and and guys like George Pickens are, are rarely seen uh, in the offense making plays and those are two of your best playmakers um you know jet sweeps uh at bad times and you know there obviously it balances out like i said with some good things as well the steelers did put up more points in the second half of the season, but still they averaged 18 points a game over the course of the year. And I just think specifically with the offensive coordinator with Matt Canada, that there is improvement that could be made. And for Kenny Pickett specifically um, settling for the continuation of the Matt Canada uh, system and, and the Matt Canada offense, I think is, is actually limiting Kenny Pickett, overall over time instead of you know bringing in somebody who can actually help him grow and develop and become uh the the qb1 that we hope he can be and reach his ceiling so that's more of what i was referencing with the mediocrity don't just stay where you're at don't don't maintain the status quo um build on it get better Uh, find areas where you can improve 
just because somebody did fine doesn't mean we got to stick with it. You bring up Matt Canada, and and one thing, one player in particular that made some comments after the game on Sunday, the Steelers win, and I wrote this article for the website, and that was Najee Harris. He came out and was very blunt when he said, yeah. "Look, I everyone wants to blame this guy, but you got to blame the players." And and so I always say this comes down to the age old debate of who's more to blame, the players or the coaches. Everyone seems to fall on one side or the other. Najee Harris mm. clearly falls on the side of. It's the player's fault. We have to execute. And and he said, you know, calling the same plays over and over again. He said, everyone calls the same plays over and over again. What were your thoughts on Najee Harris's yeah. comments after the game? Yeah, I, I, I mean, obviously sticking up for for his offensive coordinator. And I think he would he's wise to because um, obviously the running game improved significantly over the second half of the season. And I think that was a lot on, on him and, and Jalen Warren improving um, in how they were attacking uh, run lanes and, and, um, and just p- playing the running back position after the ball was in their hands. So uh, I can see where he's coming from with that. I just think that when you get to the nitty gritty of it, that, that Matt Canada didn't really do anything to, elevate his players i think he kind of just you know he he was reliant on on them to make those reads and to make those um those plays the george pickens toe taps on the sidelines and you you know you'd like to see a little bit more of a system where uh these players are elevated to to their ceiling a little bit more uh i think of kyle shanahan in san francisco i think of um you know even sean mcveigh uh taking a Jared Goff led offense to the Super Bowl. You know, there's guys that elevate uh their players and then there's guys that are c- kind of just there. And I think Matt Canada's more of of the second kind. All right, let's talk about this in regards to the offseason and we're going to be talking about this topic uh a, a myriad of times before the big events in the offseason. We're talking about free agency starting uh, that that's the start of the new league year for those out there that don't know. March 13th of 2023 is the legal tampering period begins two days. And then March 15th is the first official day of the new league year when free agency officially begins. So if you don't know, they can start to negotiate with agents. They can even have contracts uh, that are, I guess you could say not signed, but they're agreed upon. And then on the 15th is when they can be signed and be finalized. And then obviously the NFL draft. There's a lot of things going on with the Steelers. I want to focus on the defense uh, based on the fact that I I talked about this last podcast on Wednesday, how I felt that the offense was ahead of schedule for the rebuild, but the defense I feel like is kind of slacking behind. Mm. If you're going to figure out team needs and prioritize those on the defensive side of the ball, where are you going and which positions like your top three? Yeah. So I I definitely agree with you. I think the defense is going to need more work this off season to maintain their level of play and and uh, even improve, I think if I'm going for uh, a specific like list of players in the order of need, I would probably go cornerback first. Uh, you need a lockdown corner. You need a, a guy who um, can take away one side of the field or take away the the opponent's uh, best receiver, or at least you know minimize them in a way that they don't blow up the the whole game plan in your face and i think the steelers have had issues identifying cornerbacks um in the draft in the past uh, and they've had trouble uh bringing in guys 
that they thought could be cornerback one uh, that have been uh, less than that. So uh, I think the Steelers have a good group of corners, but again, they need to improve that area in order to get better as a team. And so I would say cornerback is number one uh, defensive line. Um, somebody to come in uh, a, a blue chip talent, uh, a guy with pedigree um, that can come in and be uh, a versatile player uh, along the defensive line. Um, I know the Steelers have addressed defensive line in back to back drafts. I think they need to make it three in a row. And I think they need to do it even a little bit earlier, probably in this draft, uh, get somebody young in there behind Cam Hayward, behind uh, Larry Ogunjobi. Hopefully they can keep him. Um, if Larry Ogunjobi walks in free agency, then that cupboard starts to look really bare. And you mentioned that in, on Wednesday as well. Uh, so that's definitely number two for me. And then number three, it might be a little bit different uh, than some people. A lot of people pushing for middle linebacker. I think more important is to find uh, an edge rusher. I really do. Uh, uh, somebody who can come in and play behind TJ Watt, behind Alex Highsmith, and, and learn the Steelers system and be developed over the next couple years until he's needed to step in and take a, a major role. And the Steelers could use a solid third pass rusher in their rotation anyway with uh, guys like uh, Malik Reed and, and, and others uh, heading towards free agency. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I agree with you. And and then you you know you say outside linebacker, but you you know you are leaving off. I said top three. This is not on you. I you know you are leaving out inside linebacker. You are not yeah. talking about safety with two pending free agents there. I mean, I think right. it's safe to say they bring one of them back. But I mean, you there are a lot of positional needs on that defensive side of the ball, and we'll dive into that as we go on throughout the offseason. Now we are going to do NFL picks. We're going to talk about the playoffs. Some of these games, I'm just throwing my hands up saying you got to be kidding me yeah. like, this game just looks like a complete crap fest but we're going to go through and we're going to do our picks for the wild card weekend i think they're calling it like super wild card weekend because isn't there a monday night game i think uh yeah or something ever like since that they started weird. yeah ever since they added the seventh team in here it's super wild card weekend because you have an extra game in each conference yeah all right, let's start off Saturday at 4.30. Seattle Seahawks go to the San Francisco 49ers in NFC West matchup. Uh, San Francisco is giving nine and a half at home. What do you think about this game, Jeremy? Yeah, I think uh, that's about right. Uh, San Francisco is is a heavy favorite, and rightfully so. Man, I would have loved to see the Detroit Lions in this spot. This would have been a much more intriguing game, personally, in my opinion. Uh, but, yeah, I think if Seattle comes out and, and can throw the ball well, uh, Tyler Lockett being back last week was was helpful, to, or the last couple of weeks was helpful to them, um, and Geno Smith specifically who needs his his uh, cadre of weapons available to him uh, to be successful. They might be able to keep this one close, but I just expect the 49ers to, uh, to take care of business, and so I would take the Niners even on, at that spread uh, in a playoff game at home. I, I like the Niners, but I don't like them covering nine and a half. We have to, we can't forget Brock Purdy is still a rookie. There's going to be a high pressure situation. It's a divisional game. There's a lot of familiarity. I think Seattle loses the game, but I think they keep it close enough to be within that nine and a half points. Let's go to another game Saturday at 815. The Los Angeles Chargers are going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars win the AFC South. Therefore, they get in. The Jags are actually home dogs in this one, getting Ooh. two points at home. What do you think about this game? I like the home dog in this case. I, I think the Chargers are a good team. I think Jacksonville is a good team, too. I think they're pretty equal. Um, but the Jaguars actually have the better defense uh, this year. So 
uh, it, this is a tough one. This is probably the closest matchup of the week as far as teams that are similar to each other in, in skill level. Uh, but I, I, so I think I'm going to go Jaguars. I don't know if they'll actually win the game, but I, I do like them as a, as a home dog here. I think it's going to be close. Like you said, but I'm going to go with the chargers. I, I, there's something about Jacksonville. They're just the ebb and flow of that team is just too drastic from one side of the spectrum to the other. I think the chargers find a way to win. They need to win, find a way. To win. I don't think this is a high scoring game, uh, but I like the chargers yeah. there on the road. Let's go to Sunday at one o'clock. This is one of the crap games because the Buffalo bills are hosting the Miami dolphins. Uh, Tua has not been cleared from the concussion protocol, will not play. And that means that it's not Teddy Bridgewater. It's Skylar Thompson going up against Josh Allen. And it's just, yeah, yeesh is a a great way to put it. (laughs) Miami's Uh, getting 13 points on the road in this AFC East matchup. Do you think Miami can at least cover? Oh, man, I don't. I really don't. I think Buffalo is going to play motivated. There's a, a chance that DeMar Hamlin is actually at this game, and you know what that'll do for the Bills. Yeah. It's a division rival. They're not going to hold back. Um, you know, there's this is a no-holds-barred, no-mercy game for the Bills, uh, so I think they, they still cover despite being huge uh, favorites. And, Jeff, I just got to say, uh, we shouldn't be talking about this game yet. We should be saving it for last because it should be the Pittsburgh Steelers playing. This. Yeah, you're, you're right. It should be, <laughs> but it's not. And uh, nope. unfortunately, you know, Miami, like I said, after we had to watch that 11 to six win over the Joe Flacco led jets, just to see if the, Ooh. Hey, the Steelers shouldn't have been in that position anyways. That's what I've been leaning on the whole way. But I think the Buffalo bills win the game. I think they cover, I think they win by more than two touchdowns. Uh, yes. So yeah, I think Buffalo bills is going to, they're going to want to make a statement in this game. Let's go to Sunday at 4.30. The New York Giants travel to the Minnesota Vikings. This, to me, might be with the Jacksonville Chargers, might be one of the more evenly matched games. Yeah. The Giants are getting three points on the road. This is just your standard home home team three-point spread. What do you think about this NFC matchup? They played a couple weeks ago, and it was a three-point Vikings win to close out the final seconds. As per usual for them, uh, I Probably see a similar result happening here. I do think Minnesota is the better team. Uh, I think uh, at home that they are a, a more potent offense, specifically. So I'm going to take I'm going to take them at the spread, um, and uh, I think that that, that they win uh, this game for sure. Yeah, I like the Vikings minus three. Um, this is the New York Giants' first uh, playoff game, I believe, since the famous boat photo with Odell Beckham and those guys when they were on a bye week and went on the boat and they haven't been back. So I think the giants, I don't think they get their first playoff win here. I think the Minnesota Vikings win and move on the game that Steeler fans are going to be intrigued about is the eight 15 game on Sunday night. The Baltimore Ravens go to Cincinnati. Now what, what's really crazy about this game and when we're recording this, there's no final injury report yet, but Lamar Jackson hasn't practiced yet. And uh, Tyler Huntley is even dealing with a shoulder injury that he sustained against Pittsburgh two weeks ago. Uh, Baltimore and Miami are the two teams that look like absolute dog crap and are in the playoffs. And then you had the Steelers who won four straight. They're red hot and they're at home watching. But hey, such is life in yeah. the NFL. Baltimore is getting eight and a half on the road in Cincinnati. What do you think about this divisional showdown? Uh, it it kind of strikes me in a similar regard to the uh, Buffalo Miami game in that Cincinnati is going to handle business and they're going to do so uh, without remorse because they, it's a division rival and you just, you just hand it to your division rival. Any chance you get, Um, 
I, I do have some concerns for Cincinnati's offensive line. Uh, they've got some injuries that they're dealing with. Um, and this was, that was their issue last year. It's probably the reason they lost the Super Bowl. Um, so you, you'd expect that the, the Ravens could take advantage of that to a point, maybe keep this game a little closer. But in the end, I, I do think, uh, the Bengals are just too much for the Ravens. So I'm going to ride with the Bengals here. Uh, I I'll take the hot team with the, with the better offense and still a solid defense over the one that could potentially be starting, uh, Anthony Brown at quarterback. Gosh, darn it. I mean, okay. Yeah. The, I'm going to take the Bengals minus eight and a half. I think they win by 10 at least. Uh, I think, I think again, they're going to try to make a statement. They're going to try to say, look, we're going to be, we're not just some team that just made it in. We're a team that's, so to be reckoned with, we'll put it that way. Yeah. Right, let's finish it up with Monday, 8-15. I hate the fact there's a playoff game on a Monday night, but still, this spread <laughs> is really strange, too. Dallas Cowboys, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In Tampa Bay, the Dallas Cowboys are only getting, or I'm sorry, only giving two and a half points. I know that's te- technically a five and a half point swing, but still, Dallas and Tampa Bay, when you look at it on paper, it looks like Dallas should blow them out. What do you think about this game? Yeah, this is the the Tom Brady effect. Um it's the, uh, as far as Vegas goes and the odds here and the spread, I, it's the, it's the, the Cowboys effect too. Uh, really, they haven't won a road playoff game in a, a decade plus now. Uh, maybe even longer than that. If I, if I remember correctly, I think it's been since like the nineties. Uh, so they're just, uh, they struggle to win. And then Tom Brady, once he gets to the playoffs, you never know what could happen. So the spread makes sense to me, but I do think Dallas is better. I, I think that they weren't too concerned with um, making a statement against Washington in, in the finale of the regular season for them, and that's why they kind of got uh, beat up then. So uh, I would expect Dallas to take care of business here. They should. They're the better team, and uh, it would be just fine with me getting uh, getting Brady out of those playoffs. Yeah, I'll take the Dallas Cowboys giving two and a half on the road. Um, wouldn't be shocked if Tampa Bay finds a way. Uh, they've done it before, and we know what Brady can do. So, uh, yeah, I'll take the Dallas Cowboys minus two and a half. So there you go, folks. There are NFL picks for the week, and we'll be talking about the divisional round next week. But, Jeremy, now is your chance. Talk to the Ride or Die crew about what you have cooking on the website as well as your podcast coming up. Yeah, so I just finished up an article that will run soon. Or it may have run already by the time you hear this. Um, uh, talking about the Steelers' top five offseason goals that they need to accomplish. I explain a little bit more of the, the mediocrity th- uh, thought uh, process there as well. So check that out on the website. The Steelers fix. Man, we got a bunch of interviews coming up with draft eligible prospects so you're not going to want to miss that on the Steelers fix Um, I can confirm that this next episode we will have uh, a an Oklahoma running back on the podcast and he uh, was a great interview you'll enjoy um, you'll enjoy him for sure and we'll have more coming for you uh, on the Steelers fix so check that out and then follow me on Twitter at the bets 93 t-h-e-b-e-t-z nine three all right, good stuff. I'm looking forward to hearing those interviews. So uh, we'll be sure to tune into that Steelers Fix podcast. In the meantime, Jeremy, thanks for your time. We'll see you next week. Have a good one. All right, see ya. All right, and a big thank you to Jeremy Jerome Betts, as always, for taking the time. I look forward to having more conversations with him throughout the offseason about all things Steelers and NFL-related. Let's finish this, as we always do, with a little heart-to-heart. As I tend to do, and in case you're a new listener and new member of the ride or die crew 
Uh, I am a father. I'm obviously married. My wife and I have five children. We have one son. He's our oldest who turned 14 in November. And we have four daughters. Um, typically, when I one of my children has a birthday, I will spend some time on this, this Friday segment to wish them a happy birthday and to kind of give them a, a, a little bit of, of my time, both my time and your time, as in this heart-to-heart segment. So my oldest daughter, Savannah, turned 12 on Wednesday, and it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun during her birthday. She got to she got to do kind of what she wanted. Uh, we went and hit golf balls. She's a golfer. She's getting into golf. Uh, we I cooked her her favorite meal, her, her mom and I did, and uh, it was just a, a great time. And she's growing so much, and she's becoming a, a really great person. I want to make that very clear. She's very kind. She's very considerate. And that anyone that has a child, if the child is old enough, you're going to be faced with these situations sooner or later, trust me, where you might look at your child, be it a boy or girl, doesn't matter, and you'll say, holy cow, it's like I'm looking in a mirror. Or you see them say, hear them say something or see them do something, and you're thinking, Man, that's that's something that I would do. They they definitely are your offspring. That that is <laughs> that's a term that we use on purpose. And she is a lot like me. And in a lot of ways, that makes me very very happy. And in a lot of ways, it's very very frustrating, which makes me sympathize with my parents when I was that age. But still, um, I love her to death. She is our oldest daughter. She was our first daughter. And she'll always have a special place in my heart because of that. So happy birthday, Savannah. I hope you had a great week. And I hope everyone had a great week. I hope you enjoy your weekend of NFL football. I'm going to try to catch as much as I can while getting a lot of stuff done around the house. My honey-do list is getting pretty long. So we'll see what happens there. I'll be back on Monday. The Monday Morning Conversation will be back. So make sure you check that out. In the meantime, you know how we finish it out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great rest of your weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Go Steelers.